Welcome back to the Fitness Fee podcast. I'm Fee and this podcast is for anyone who is interested in nutrition, fitness and mindset. If you want to feel more in control, enjoy living your life while reaching your goals, then this is the podcast for you. I hope you enjoy it and let's get into the episode. Uh, hello, once again, we are here. Another month passes us by, and we are in October. Um, and actually, this is uh, our first year anniversary, Stu. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, it is indeed 12 months since we started doing monthly recaps, reviews. Yeah, catch up. A year, yeah. I can't believe how, how fast time it was. Gone. I think it was you came last October you came on my podcast and we did a podcast about journaling and then I came up oh, with yeah. the amazing idea of us doing monthly ones together and here we are 12 months later we were going to call it something like we were going to come up with a name and then did someone send us a name someone in? said catch catch up uh, catch it fee or some I don't know it was something weird and I didn't really like it so I never called it that again <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember. There was, I'm positive there was a name that was actually semi all right, and we were like, oh my god, we should call it that, but then we never did from that point moving <laughs> forwards. And we we're just like, oh, well, that's another catch up, that's what we're here for. Um, but I'm um, very, very honored to be back, and thank you for hosting me on your podcast 12 times in the past year. 12 times, yeah, we probably could have done it more than that. We catch up on a regular basis, don't we? Though we're always, well, uh, yeah, we, we could probably do an episode every week if we really we probably tried. could we make that commitment. We probably could, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so for this episode, we are going to talk about something that comes up for us time and time and time and time and time and time again. And as soon as we mention it, a lot of people will be like, oh, yeah, that's me. So it's going to be quite a bit eye-opening for some people, and it might just make you think a little bit differently about the language that you use and the terminology. Um so we're going to be talking about self-sabotage. And I'm going to read you what the definition is from the dictionary. And the noun of self-sabotage is the act or habit of behaving in a way that interferes directly with one's own goals, well-being, relationships, etc. as obviously they're using like comfort eating, procrastination, lashing out at others um and obviously the verb of it is to behave or especially hab habitually or compulsively compulsively in a way that interferes directly with one's goals um so that that it does cover quite a lot in that the word self-sabotage and it can be related to food but it also can be related to Things like alcohol, drugs, it gets related to um, relationships, etc. Um, so for us, we're gonna focus on when people are using those words when I'm self sabotaging myself towards my health and fitness goal, whether that's to lose fat, maintain um, the choices and the actions that you make. You might not be in line with your goal, so you automatically say, "Okay, I I can't help myself at the moment. I'm self sabotaging." So we're going to explore what that means and are you actually really doing that? So, Stu, I'm going to let you kick off and you give me your interpretation of self-sabotage. Yeah, so for me, I think if we split it down into the self and sabotage, the two components, when we look at what sabotage actually is, it's often from this place of intention. Like we have purposely went of all like like if you look at someone who sabotages a business for example you know like corporate espionage is one example of it's all intentional it's deliberate it's a choice that we've made to engage in a behavior that we know will have an outcome that maybe doesn't align with someone else's well-being in that particular scenario so now when we apply that to ourselves and we're like oh this is about are we intentionally are we actively making that choice to engage in this behavior that's going to remove us from our goals? There may be some circumstances where we feel as though we are, but I would question what the driver of those behaviors is. So for example, a few that you mentioned there, you know, food, alcohol, 
um, and procrastination potentially, um, those all tend to be we are having a unpleasant experience in the moment. And when we turn to food, for example, the unpleasant experience, if you feel as though, oh, I'm self-sabotaging my goals, I don't achieve the goals, it could be fear. It could be fear of what's going to happen if you actually succeed. It could be fear of what's going to happen if we try and we fail. Are we going to be judged? You know, there's an, an underpinning sensation there that is driving us to act in a certain way. The only problem being that the avoidance of that sensation, the numbing of it, the trying to not experience it is actually in that process was trying to benefit ourselves. We've just got the time frame mixed up. So if you look at food as a coping mechanism, it may not align with your long-term goal, but it certainly aligns with the in-the-moment discomfort that you feel and like, oh, or potentially the discomfort that you feel of not feeling. And it's like, oh, well, I can't make any sense whatsoever of the situation that I'm currently in. So I'm going to eat food because that brings me this sense of comfort. It brings me relief. It allows me to feel joy that I normally don't experience on a day-to-day um, living level. And that's the only thing that brings me it. So we're actually getting that little short-term relief from the pain, the discomfort, the suffering that we're experiencing. And if that is the case, and we are doing that, can you say that that is sabotaging? Like, are we purposely going out our way to harm ourselves? And an extra layer to this, if you look at things like DBT, uh, Dialectic Behavioral Therapy, uh, ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, and IFS, Internal Family Systems, a lot of those therapeutic modalities tend to focus on the fact that us as the whole at the center of all of this we aren't quote-unquote bad people we aren't trying to harm ourselves we've got our best intentions at heart and on a very extreme example that is within the ifs um, internal family systems is that these behaviors that we engage in are from a protective place and there's a way that the writer, Richard Swartz, I think he was the creator of Internal Family Systems, he wrote a book called No Bad Parts. And within there, he explains how even something like suicidal ideation can come under a protective, a more protective nature, even though that would be potentially the most extreme example of something that you would assume to be self-sabotaging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing how... I mean, we're all obviously we're very complex humans, but it is built into all of us, um, and we're all wired to try and a very very basic primal instincts is to avoid danger, isn't it? To avoid threat, to avoid pain, and this is just one way of us avoiding that. Like you said, avoiding failure. So if it's your goals, you know, or if you're dealing with a lot of stress and things, and it's it's not a case of well, I, like I'm intentionally going out of my way to avoid what the th- one thing that I want, which might be fat loss. But it's this is just helping me feel better right now in the moment. Um, and I think it's just trying to work out that it, it it's not what you're telling yourself is. And I mean, I say this a lot to people. Sometimes it's it's the language that you use and the story that you tell yourself then kind of like justifies the actions that you're taking. So if you tell yourself, I am self-sabotaging, it kind of makes it in your head, well, it's okay what I'm doing because it, that's the reason why I'm doing it. So therefore, I'll carry on until a certain, until I get to a point where I speak up about it, which obviously, you know, we chat to a lot of people every day where they come to us and say, help me, please. I'm self-sabotaging. I don't know how to stop. Um. But I feel sometimes it is a case of you do know how to stop. You just haven't got the tools or just quite know how to stop the behavior that you're doing and go in the direction that you want to. And that might be, you know, not tracking your food. That might be not making an effort to go to the gym. It might mean that you're eating way more than you intentionally want to, to reach your goals. Um, So I believe that it is definitely the terminology. And I know that there are some people that also do self-sabotage and they obviously could have 
greater issues, maybe underlying issues, and it is more of they're not aware of what they're doing. And they might not even say that they're self-sabotaging, yet that is something. So there are obviously quite extremes of that terminology, that term self-sabotage. Yeah, and I think it's acknowledging as well, like the intensity to which we do that will change. Like it's very easy to we to make things make sense. Like we like things in categories, we like labels, we like boxes, we like it's just simply how our brains work. Like we want to create shortcuts to preserve as much mental energy as possible because effectively that's linked with survival. Um, but it often means that we are overly reductionist. So like we'll something like self-sabotage, we can be like self-sabotage. There's a moral component to that. Like this view of sabotage is bad. So then self-sabotage is bad. And as soon as we're engaging in a behavior that we're calling quote unquote bad, or we're doing something which we deem to be quote unquote bad, that then encourages us to see us as that person because we often make these things part of our identities. Mm. You know, you see this in statements like I am self-sabotaging. And it's like, right, so what is that saying about you as a person? And often when you start to unpeel these layers, it's I am self-sabotaging, I am a bad person, I can't achieve my goals, I am undisciplined, you know, I am all of these things that are just driving this overarching feeling of shame. And a, a lot of these behaviours, for example, emotional eating, even things like alcohol and reliance, and, you know, we're not talking about addiction, but then addiction as a whole is a very taboo topic you know there's a lot of things out there that and it perpetuates so when you feel shameful that feeling that intense that intense sensation that you're experiencing is not really conducive with long-term change and shame convinces us that we are alone and isolated and in some way broken and it's a direct route to disconnection and that is we aren't able to feel like we belong. And when one of the core human needs is belonging, all of a sudden you can see how something like shame can be a real big disconnect between us and connection with others and connection with ourselves. And you're not going to make change from that place. It's just going to be you're in that shame cycle. You're in that spiral. So when we're saying here about language, like you can call it what you want, but there's going to be some language that is going to be easier to make you think a certain way. Because I, I don't think there's any denying that language can impact the way that we think. Like when you say something is good or you doing something is good, A, is it really good and bad anyways? Because it's context-based. So like, you know, we're talking about emotional eating in this particular example, self-sabotage through um, eating. If I was to have a list or let's use the most extreme example. I only soothe myself with eating. Is that good or bad? Well, in some circumstances, that may be good because if I didn't rely on that sole coping mechanism, then I would have none other and no others available to me, and we don't know what that outcome would be. But then is that quote unquote bad? Then yeah, potentially, because we've got no others. So good and bad tend to be not very helpful language to use because they just don't give us enough information because the context can be different so rather than seeing self-sabotage as bad or self-sabotage as good whether you would see that view or not rather than seeing as good or bad like you say does this decision this choice this behavior that i'm engaging in does it align with the goal that i'm trying to achieve does it align with the person that i want to be does it align with my values and what's most important to me rather than good or bad like right where does this sit on this spectrum as opposed to the extremes yeah i think it's obviously the thing that we and i know that you've said it before is like is it actually self-sabotage or is it self-soothing and the way that you again we're coming back to the language the way that you tell yourself what it is because self-sabotaging you automatically most people think i'm self-sabotaged therefore like you say i am being bad and it brings that shame but if you just flip the the terminology, I don't know, you could have experienced, um, I don't know, a death in the family, say, for instance, and you that's like throwing your whole life into to array and, you know, you're you're grieving and everything's not on, nothing's on track, you can't think straight. Um, but then as time passes, you know, you're still not 
getting back into your routine. You're not doing the things that you feel that you should be doing, want to be doing. And then, you know, you can fall into this trap of, well, now I'm I'm in this position where I'm self-sabotaging all my goals and what I want to achieve. Where if you said, well, actually, I'm I'm not doing that. I'm actually self-soothing my myself and my feelings. And this is because of something that has happened to me that was outside of my control, which most of the time it generally is. It's because people are, you know, there's stress because of work, because of family life, because of things that are happening around you that are generally outside of your control that you then like, it could be, that could be a trigger point for you, for you to stop tracking, stop eating like, you know, a healthy balanced uh, meals. Um, And then by saying to yourself, I'm self-sabotaging, you then get into that bad place. But whereas if you said, okay, I'm going to acknowledge that I'm doing this. And the reason that I'm doing this is because of something that's happened to me. And right now, it's a self-soothing action that I'm doing. And that isn't a bad thing. And then it's, it's this coming back to where you want to be without beating yourself up, isn't it? It's that, okay, I've done that. I'm going to accept that I'm a human being and this is how I've reacted to a situation and it's not a bad thing. I'm not a bad person. It's just the way that I've reacted and I could change those behaviours moving forward. I think that, I think, you know, sometimes people really underestimate the power of the language that they use when they talk to themselves and and sometimes like getting people to understand that, it that can be... I think I think and I feel for some of my clients that I've worked with that that is the biggest step that they take is changing the way that they talk to themselves and about themselves and what they do can help them move forward at a much faster pace than any other diet plan whatever you want to program you want, want to do um that can be the, the biggest step that they can ever make in their life yeah and I think you know acknowledging that like what you said, they're actually just changing to self-soothing. If that behaviour is now self-soothing and we know that actually we're engaging in that behaviour to try and make ourselves feel better in the moment, we're trying to meet our our needs, whatever they may look like. You know, if we're in this really dysregulated state where we're super stressed or, you know, and you, you can see this quite, quite frequently, like people come in from work and they have a drink. Say, like, I've had such a tough day at work, I'm going to have some wine and it's like right so you're just soothing yourself in that moment like you're super stressed you've got a lot going on that is one potential option but now you can identify that actually this behavior is just trying to make me feel better and it's easier to approach with compassion in that moment because you're like well actually this is this is kind of protective it's like trying to look after me Mm. so we're no longer criticizing ourselves for that behavior which is driven by shame but instead we can say actually i'm engaging in this behavior i'm self-soothing i'm trying to find a way to make myself feel better in the short term which means that there are also going to be other behaviors which can achieve the same outcome and then rather than only having one or having this you know wine i can now build my toolbox of different strategies techniques tools that i can use in that moment and I can pick one that is best suited. You know, we're not as limited. We're not as rigid to what we're stuck to. And it allows us to just see this slightly bigger perspective. And like you said, I think language is huge. Mm. And when you think about the way that we think, and especially even, you know, you mentioned there about this idea of if I'm self-soothing, there's a huge component of acceptance there. And acceptance isn't this blind resignation that everyone makes it out to be. And I think you can get into this, oh, well, I'm just going to accept it. Do you know what I mean? It's not a case of just like, oh, that's how it is. It's getting the full picture. It's understanding everything that's making up the situation as best that we can. And that means the quote-unquote good and the quote-unquote bad and being able to see it all, which is actually, right, this behavior is not aligned with my goal. So I genuinely want to change it. Right, amazing. But at the same time, this behavior is serving a purpose. It makes sense in the context of the situation. And that is, I am super stressed, so I am drinking alcohol. I am feeling no emotions whatsoever because I'm in this frozen state 
where I've completely pushed everything away because I'm experiencing an enormous change like grief. Like, of course that makes sense in context. Like, you're experiencing grief. So now when you can see that bigger picture, it means that you can gather more information and make a much more informed decision moving forwards. You're not only seeing the quote-unquote bad stuff or the quote-unquote good stuff. You've got it all. And then from that place, it's a much easier to show compassion because you understand why it's happening. And you can also see how that fits into the bigger picture. You know, if you break compassion down into its three components of mindfulness, just general awareness of compassion, the feelings that you're experiencing, the thoughts that you're having, and then you've got the aspect of self-kindness, the way that we speak to ourselves, exactly what you've just said, the language that we use, whether we're criticizing ourselves or whether we're meeting ourselves with this um, similar approach to what we would show someone else compassion-wise. And then the other component is that common humanity. It's the idea that we are the same as everyone else and there's fundamental thin things that link us all together. And those are these behaviours. Like we all engage in self-serving behaviours, whether we want to admit it or not, we do. It could be food, it could be drink, it could be procrastination, it could be porn. We've got people who are addicted to sex. You know, there's a wide range of ways in which in the moment we are looking for some sort of relief from what we are experiencing. And don't for a second think that exercise doesn't fit into this. Like how many people, and whilst exercise is not therapy, which is an important thing to point out here, it can feel as though it gives us similar benefits. So is exercise not self-soothing? If you've had a super stressful day and then you go and hit the gym and lift weights, you wouldn't call that self-sabotaging. But it's just because of the context that you're looking at the behavior, it's just the lens of perspective you're looking at the behavior through. And that is, oh, well, all of a sudden, exercise adds to my health. Mm. So it's like, oh, exercise is quote unquote good for me. Yeah. And it's like, well, is it? Because if you're running to an absolute extreme to avoid all of the negative, quote unquote negative mm. thought processes that you're having, is that still, it's still a self soothing behavior? but it doesn't add to your health. The intention yeah. behind it is to escape, to run away from, or to, you know, potentially, I don't feel worthy unless I have exercised enough in this moment. So mm. a lot of it comes down to the fuel, like the intention behind the behaviour, as opposed mm. to the behaviour itself. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, people, if you're going to say it, it's a self-soothing mechanism that you're using, it's not self-sabotage, it can then lead into the like your self care, isn't it? Which you obviously mentioned, like exercise there. But again, it can be used in in two different ways. So it can you can use it to to make feel better. I mean, most people that once they start, you know, they use it as a stress relief, don't they? Because it makes you feel better. The endorphins that you release when you you exercise gives you that like that good feeling. Um, but if it becomes on the opposite end of the scale where you're doing it to kind of like fill a void um, and use it as a way maybe to to make yourself feel better because you think, well, I need to be doing this. There is a very fine line as like what your definition of how you're going to feel afterwards, like do I need it or does my self-care need to look slightly different, which is, you know, setting up some some personal boundaries, whether that means that you you know, you finish work on time and you just, you don't keep on working and working and working because the work pile never gets any smaller. Um, you know, it could be as, as, as easy as that, or it could be as simple as getting going to bed on time, getting some sleep. It could be like that. You know, it doesn't, people kind of think that they have to, to be doing like, you know, painting your nails or, or, you know, going for a massage or a facial or whatever. It doesn't have to be that. It can be, if you, like you say, you're coming in from work, you've had a stressful day and then you're turning to a glass of wine or whatever it is. And if you're acknowledging this is what I'm doing and it's not helping me towards my goals and you know that it's not, then you can change that action for something else that is going to help you feel better. So you, you come home from work and you're like, okay, I'm, I know I'm going to be stressed when I come home from work. I don't want to take that action of having a glass of wine because then it leads me to 
not really bothered, not having my meal that I've prepared for myself because I like I can't be bothered. So I'll just grab something else or a takeaway. And then you're into that kind of like snowball then of like, oh, well, I've just like I'm self-sabotaging my goals. Whereas you can acknowledge that that one simple action of changing that glass of wine to something else can then mean that your follow on actions are in line with your goal and it's not self-sabotaging anymore. You're doing something that makes you feel better in the moment. Yeah, and it's this, there's two sides to compassion, right? There's like this tender side that is loving, caring. It is in the moment, meeting our needs. It is, you know, Kristen Neff, uh, she's a researcher around self-compassion. Someone, I don't think she created it herself. I'm pretty sure it was someone else. If you type in to Google, um, Kristen Neff, self-compassion, it comes up with two types and you've got this tender, more loving side and you've got this fierce side. And the fear side is the one that takes action. The fear side is the one that says, right, actually, what is the future version of me, the version of me tomorrow, the version of me in an hour's time, going to really thank me for? And uh, I can't remember where the frame came from. Uh, it's like a 10-10-10 rule. And it says, how am I going to feel in 10 minutes? How am I going to feel in 10 hours? And how am I going to feel in 10 days or something like that? Um, and it's like, oh, check in with those what action is best going to serve you of that timeline? Well, in the 10 minutes, it might be the wine, but actually in 10 hours time, when you've got up tomorrow morning, you're still groggy from the wine that you had the night before and you overate food massively because you lost control because you'd had wine. Then it's like, ah, oh, well, maybe this decision doesn't best align. And in 10 days time, when whatever that particular scenario has passed, it's like, I oh, will definitely, I'm going to be happy that I made a different choice. And I think the key bit is, is here, like we're saying, it's a choice, right? Like it's about giving ourselves that autonomy back to make the choices the best align for us. There are going to be times where the wine might be the best choice. And that isn't because, you know, and, and that sounds strange coming from a health professional when we know the negative implications that alcohol can have. But it's understanding that we're all different. We all have different needs. We all you know, the things that we enjoy. Like if you really enjoy a glass of wine and coming in from work and sitting down and having that is really important to you, then amazing, you can do that. But you also need to understand there may be some compromises you need to make in order to achieve the goal. So in that moment, you can then choose which is best suited for you once you have this level of awareness. So we move away from, I am never allowed wine again, to I am allowed to have wine if I would like to, but I also know that when I make that choice, it's going to compromise my ability to achieve my goals. So what I'm going to do instead is checking with how I feel right now, what the version of me in 24 hours is going to thank me for, and I'm going to make a choice that best aligns. Now, will that be the wine every time? Most likely not. Mm. But there may be some times where it is, and I think it's just, we don't want to rule any of these things out. Because it's the same as with food, right? Like if I say I am not allowed X food, it instantly tr triggers, we've got this bias called reactance, it's a cognitive bias. And it's basically like when you say don't press the red button, what's the first thing you want to do? Press the red button. It's the same as like in my building at the minute, right? There's a sign downstairs that says, do not throw cigarette butts off your balcony. <laughs> And it's like, you're never, gonna convince, you're never going to convince anyone to not throw cigarette butts off their balcony by going, yeah. do not do this. Like, completely backwards approach. And, like, we can even see this play out across, like, marketing, right? You don't see, in marketing context, it's very rare that you see, do not do X, Y, Z. Because it instantly triggers this bias that we've got within us that's like, oh, well, now I want to do that. Mm. Because we don't like to have our autonomy taken away from us. So rather than robbing ourselves of our own autonomy by saying, I am not allowed to have a glass of wine when I get in from work, you are allowed. You're absolutely allowed. That's your choice. You get to you get to do that. But it's about being like, right, which one's best going to serve the version of you in mm. the future as opposed to just the one in the now? Mm. Yeah. I think I remember... Um like one of those those kids programs that they had where they you know where they put like little kids like under school age in a room like with a camera and they tell them not to do something then they walk the adults leave the room and it's like see which kids can like go the longest without 
doing the one thing they're not meant to do before they do it. And there's always like, there'll always be a kid that doesn't do it, but there's always kids that are like, they just can't resist it. They have to go and do the one thing that they've been told they can't do because there's no adults around. So yeah, it is, um, it is very much, much like that, isn't it? It's, uh, it's just choosing, choosing how hard you want to make it as well. I think like how hard, how hard do I want to make it for myself? Um, and I think having somebody there to talk talk you through it and have that support can can be the one thing that you, that you need because if you keep on telling yourself that you are self sabotaging all the time, it can get really demoralizing and you just feel like that you you can never accomplish everything anything and you know we come across this all the time people that say well nothing ever works for me you know i have tried literally everything on this planet to lose weight or lose fat because that's what their goal is and nothing works for me because they're in this constant cycle of they try it it doesn't work due to their levels of expectation so then therefore then they go into like a self-sabotage circle until they like eventually go okay i need to stop this and then they try again but it's like you said it's that restriction isn't it restrict over restrict can't can only do it for so long cave into it and then back around you go again um so yeah maybe just looking at it from a different angle and having those those tools there to realize that that you're doing this for a reason. And if you can identify what that reason is, take a step back and a pause and think, okay, why am I choosing to do this action? Because nine times out of 10, it is a choice and it would be a repeated choice. Most of the time when people say that I'm self-sabotaging, it's something that you do over a repeated. So it's not like, well, you do it once and you're like, yeah, this is me self-sabotaging. It's usually, well, I've done it for like the last three days or the last four weekends I've gone out and I've self-sabotaged my whole week. Like I've been amazing Monday to Friday come weekend. That's it. I'm self-sabotaging. And it's usually because you can see, then see a repeated pattern of behavior. Um, so it's maybe taking that step back or having somebody there to say to you, a coach or whatever your support network is and just say, okay, what is the behavior that you're doing it? And why is it? And it's only when you actually step back and question yourself that you'll probably realize that there is a reason. Well, like you say, I'm really stressed, you know, work's really stressful. I get to the weekend and I decide that I'm going to treat myself. I deserve it. And you're like, okay, well, why do you deserve it? You know, if, is that behavior getting you closer to your goal? Um, so I think definitely it's working on those behaviors and having those tools, like you say, in your toolbox or, or whatever it is that you want to call them um, to help you move around this. Yeah, and I think there's a there's an acknowledgement here as well that, like you said right at the start, like we're so complex, like we can easily be like, oh, yeah, just let's reduce this down. And I want to say that it's dead simple and we just do ABC, but that also wouldn't be true. Um, and being able to just acknowledge that, like you said, they're the patterns of the behaviors, right? Like this happens every Friday after a really tough week. And it's like, right. So it's happening on a Friday. And there's also a level of awareness with regard to like mindset here of like what, when you engage in the behavior, what happens as a result of that? And it's like, oh, well, I tell myself that I've been bad and that I'm a bad person. And what's the point? And it's like, oh, well, here's that little friend all or nothing thinking all over again where we flip from one extreme to another. So the behavior itself is something that we potentially see as quote-unquote self-sabotaging and it's quote-unquote bad. But then our response to the behavior can all be also be something we need to be aware of. So we can have this much more, I want to say, a proactive approach. Like we can be, like before the behavior happens again, we can identify what some of the, what was the activating event for you what was the thing that caused you to engage in this behavior? And obviously it's tough because unless you've got a level of awareness to be able to spot that, you might find that a little bit more challenging. So sometimes it can be easier to be like, right. So when we engage in this behavior, we're going to act in a more reactive way, which is I'm going to make sure that I meet myself with compassion. I'm going to write down some of my thoughts so I can think about them differently. Um, or like you say, having someone in your corner that can support you and be like, right, let's continue. This isn't the end of the world. 
because it's often like let's say for example you do on a Friday you have a bit too much to drink does it really matter that one day on the grand scheme of things probably not but what will matter is when you allow that Friday to turn into I'm off the wagon I'm off track mm -hmm. and then Saturday and it oh well yeah I'm self-sabotaging like I, I've spent the entire weekend doing things that I didn't want to do it's like did you or was it one very tiny decision that you thought didn't align with your goal that you've then mm -hmm. criticized yourself for you feel like a failure and no longer see the point because you fell into this trap that you being a bad person or not being quote unquote perfect means that you're instantly a failure and there's no point continuing. So some, like, I think you said it right at the start, the meaning that we give these behaviors as well, like what are you making it mean? Like when you drink alcohol, what are you making it mean? What meaning are you ascribing this thing? Cause you could argue that the behavior itself is neutral. The behavior is not good nor bad. You know, we said earlier on that those words are unhelpful. The behavior is neutral. Mm. Yeah, it's what you, I think it's definitely, it's um, it's the way that you say it and it's how can you reframe what you're doing. And, and I think like, and we we've both spoken to Donna um, about this and when we've spoken about body image, it's just, it is literally reframing what you're telling yourself. How can you look at it from a different angle? You can't actually change a behavior that you've already done you can change a behavior in the future but you can look at reframing it differently why did i do that was it like you know it's coming back to this like this criticism of ourselves being like the shame if you can just change that viewpoint a little bit you'll make yourself feel so much better and then therefore if you're feeling better about your actions and realizing that you're not a bad person and there isn't any shame or reason to feel shame or guilt about what you've done you're just a human being i mean you have not like you've not committed a crime you've not killed anybody you've not you know you haven't like bombed a city or anything you've just you've done an action that wasn't in line with your goals and it you have the power to change that you can reframe you can rephrase it and you can change the future i mean that that is all within your power um and I know some people find that a lot easier and than others. And, you know, these these are things that people will have been doing for some people a long time. And when I say a long time, and I mean, like, could be 20, 30 years that they have been in this mindset of this is what they've been doing. And this in this all or nothing mindset, the yo-yo dieting, you know, this is these are all things that they they're all interlinked. And I, I swear to God, we spoke about this before on podcast where they're so intertwined with each other. Um, and we are really complex human beings. And like, you know, what works for one person doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for somebody else. But if you can have that awareness of what you're actually doing, reframe it, rephrase it and try to make changes, then you know that you're going to be heading in the right direction. It's when that you're not willing to make the change that it becomes you're just stuck where you are and, you know, nothing changes and nothing changes. Yeah, and I think, you know, something that you said there, actually, are these all interlinked? Like, for example, let's let's say perfectionism here. Um, and I'm only mentioning this because I'm currently doing quite a lot of research around perfectionism. And it, it's known as transdiagnostic which means that it can show up in multiple different disorders or um, things that people struggle with. So like, for example, one of the drivers of something like anorexia can be a perfectionism, but that doesn't mean that everyone who is a perfectionist has anorexia. Mm. And in the same way, like all or nothing thinking is a cognitive distortion. Like it is literally something, it's like a mental filter that our brain uses the only problem being that it doesn't accurately represent the reality in front of us. And it's often a quote unquote faulty filter, but like it's there. There's like, it, and being able to say, right, actually like this is genuinely how my brain works. Like this is what it's going through right now. This is why I'm doing this all or nothing thinking. This is why, excuse me, you know, there's like this underpinning reason of like, I understand why this is happening and there's something known as Chesterton's fence. And it's like a weird rule of thumb. Like it's not any sort of law or like a philosophical razor or anything like that. It's just, it's a rule of thumb that says if you went into a field, you wouldn't take the fence down before you knew why it was there. 
So you would go into the field and you'd work out why the fence was there before you removed it and now apply that to these behaviours. Like, you don't just want to stop a behaviour. We want to know why it's there. What purpose is it serving? What function does it have? Because it'll have a function, otherwise you wouldn't do it. Like, I'm, I'm not going around chopping up books randomly because that doesn't serve a function to me. You know, whereas if I really hated literature and books, and then maybe I would. But the reason there, there's a reason behind that behaviour, and that was such a random example. It's just because I it can see it. It was. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. But if, if we can use Chesterton's fence of, like, this is why this is happening, like, this is why this behaviour is happening, then we can start to be like, oh, right, okay, this this now makes sense in context. Mm-hmm. So now, like, oh, I can meet myself where I am, as opposed to what we've said about constantly battering and, and criticising ourselves. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of the things that we've been talking about here, about how they're doing to connect, is why it is so challenging. Like, mm. I know we want to... It's tough because I want to be the person that's like, woo, let's go, let's all absolutely smash this. But the reality is this is really, really hard. Mm. Like, there's no denying that people struggle with this. Like... There's multiple reasons why. There's socioeconomic factors. There's environmental factors. There's all the stuff that's going on between our two ears that we don't really understand. We're functioning with a brain that was evolved from thousands of years ago, I want to hazard the guess at, um, that maybe hasn't kept up with the rate that the world is changing because we are changing so fast compared to the rate at which we can evolve and our brains can evolve. So if we're using this piece of hardware our brain that is being adapted for however many hundreds thousands of years ago even just being able to be like all ah, right okay some of this starts to make sense now and this is really hard that doesn't mean we can't do it that doesn't mean it isn't achievable but it can give us a sense of relief as to why we are struggling and i think especially within social media these days and i know this isn't on the topic of, of self-sabotage but it makes everything seem so easy like, oh, look at this person who lost 23 stone in 12 weeks and they just took this drink once a day. And it's like, it's not that simple. I wish it was, but it wasn't. It isn't and it, it, it won't be because we are so complex. And there was like a, uh, something that I was thinking the other day and it was literally like, until you're willing to acknowledge the complexity, you're going to struggle to have like a way forward and to be able to go, oh, it's actually, yeah this behaviour that I'm engaging in right now is because of this reason. It's like, ah. Yeah. You can start to unpick that now. You've got a thread to pull on to start and explore, but it needs to be from this place of curiosity, not from judgment and criticism and self-shame, because you're not going to make that change from that place. And like when you were saying earlier about this cycle that we find ourselves in, I've engaged in this behaviour. I am a bad person, so how do we make ourselves feel better when we're bad? We engage in the behaviour. Mm. because that's the thing that brings us relief mm. so of course it's going to feel like this is now like oh my god like i'm i'm emotionally in and i feel like i'm addicted to food mm. so are you yeah, actually yeah. it's all that food? those those words isn't it it's like you know then it comes like you know I've, i'm disordered eaten and all the all the bad things that you could possibly think about and you just start labeling yourself which mm. is why we try and come away from these labels of like good bad healthy unhealthy you know it because it just becomes such a it's like an a, a thus, us and them, isn't it? It's like it's so defined when it actually isn't. The line is so blurred because we are like com- so complex. And no, uh, I mean like, um, yeah. Somebody messaged me today on on my Insta page. Like they asked me like, how many calories do I eat a day? And I was like, well, to be honest, I don't really know because I don't track. But it doesn't really matter how much I eat because my body is is my body and what I do every day is not going to be doing the same as what you do every day. So therefore it doesn't really matter what I eat compared to what you eat, because if you did the same as me, you wouldn't get the same results, you know, and it's all very, um, I think it's that acknowledgement that we are complex individual human beings. Um, and that is always going to be the case like for forever. Um, and it's like, it's trying to get right. Like you say, acknowledging that this is the case and what can we do to help ourselves and like you know there are tools and people like us um out there that can help you do that and give you the mindset tools because that is going to be the one thing that sets you 
on the right path for fat loss. It is, you know, fat loss is very simple when it comes down to science. It's the human complexities that makes it way more difficult. And some people do find it easy. And some people find it incredibly hard for years and years and years. Yeah. And, and again, right, like everyone's like, there's going to be loads of people, or there could be some people that listen to this. And they're like, I don't self-sabotage. I find fat loss really easy. And I face none of these problems. Amazing. Great for you. I'm thrilled for you. But the reality is there's a lot of people out there that also struggle. And it's, it's fat loss is easy. Well, that's kind of like what we said about good and bad. It's mm. easy for some people. There is some contexts in which people find it easy. There is some contexts in which people find it really difficult. And it's like we're so quick to try and find it's this false certainty. Mm. It's like we want certainty because we don't like uncertainty because uncertainty usually equals a risk of danger. It's like yeah. if I'm uncertain about something, if I don't know what's going to happen, that's quite scary. So, you know, even when we're thinking now, like we were saying about tools there, and this is a great one um, from a woman called Michelle MacDonald. Uh, I think she's a meditation teacher. And you will be very familiar with this if you live in the UK. The, the little acronym is called RAIN, um, which will help you massively. And it's recognize what is happening. So what is happening in this moment right now? What do I feel? What sensations do I feel? Where in my body do I feel those sensations? Are there any emotions coming up? And, you know, allow life to be as it is. Recognize what is happening allow life to be what it is let's not resist this let's not fight against it let's not argue with reality and we'll see this crop up as like it should be different well it isn't so you can argue all that you want mm. and but it's not gonna it's not gonna change the reality of the situation and again comes down to acceptance which is what is happening in this moment what are all of the quote-unquote positives good pros benefits call them what you want but what's everything that's happening now? What's all the things that are quote-unquote bad, negative drawbacks? Call them what you want. And what are all the things that are neither of those two? What are all the maybes, the neutral things? And then investigate your inner experience with kindness and curiosity. So recognize what's happening. Allow life to just be as it is. Investigate your inner experience with kindness and curiosity and then non-identify with your experience, viewing it from a larger perspective instead. So that can be really helpful. Like recognize, oh, I'm engaging in this behavior that I say that I don't want to do, but I'm engaging in it. Allow life to just be as it is, right? I've done it. There's nothing I can do about that now. There's no point arguing. It shouldn't be different. I've done it. Investigate me in your experience. Oh, well, I feel quite stressed. I feel a little bit guilty for engaging in that, like, I've got this a lot of tightness in my shoulders. I've got what feels like tightness around my throat or around my chest. I've maybe got a lot of tightness in my stomach. All right, amazing. Like, well done. You've been able to I been able to investigate those experiences and now non-identify. I am, I am not stressed. I am feeling stressed. Mm. I am not a bad person. I have done something I feel doesn't align with my goals. Create mm. that bit of distance between you and the thing. Because it's these I am statements that are like, I am angry. Of course, you're going to feel angry. Like, but I am angry, you make it you. Whereas I am feeling angry identifies that actually this is just a fleeting emotion. It's a fleeting sensation. And that was a beautiful little one from uh, Michelle McDonald. And that was from Brad Stolberg's book, Master of Change. That's where I read it anyway. Um, so that's a, a lovely little one that can be... Nice to just start implementing. And I think there's an acknowledgement here that these are best to do when you aren't engaging. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the, yeah when you're not in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like do practice them, practice them like just randomly throughout the day. Like play with the, oh, what's happening now? What am I doing? Well, you can also like, you know, you can like sit back when you're not in that moment, sit back and identify, can't you? You could sit down and look at your week and go, okay, where where is it that I feel that I'm in that? quote unquote self-sabotage moment when is that most likely to happen what is the behaviors that I'm doing in that time and maybe how can I maybe not do that next time so when I'm feeling that it's it's a build-up from work stress which tends to be nearer the end of the week and I know that's probably how I'm going to be feeling what can I put in place now to try and change that behavior and to do like you say do it when you're outside of that because in the moment 
it might probably probably won't be that easy to go okay i'm self-sabotaging now i'm gonna just gonna stop right now it but if you can identify that at an earlier stage and put like that block or that pause something in place of what you would normally do that can just be the one thing you go okay this is what i'd normally do i'm not going to do that behavior this time i'm going to do something different yeah and i think you, you know you, you've touched on something there which i think is really important and it's like being able to identify what, what you would maybe call vulnerability factors now we talk about these in the sense of overeating um and there'll be things like lack of sleep leaves you more vulnerable more open to overeating because you're tired stress could be another one illness could be another one um skipping meals could be one for example so what are the things if the in this sense you've identified when i'm super stressed i engage in this behavior what things are leaving you open to feeling more stressed what is leaving you exposed to feeling extra stress oh well actually i've got no fucking plan whatsoever for my week well that's probably going to be a contributing factor here so actually now going back to basics like i would always resort back to basics first like this behavior that feels self-sabotaging but is actually just self-soothing like when you identify it's happening because i'm super stressed can we go back to the absolute basics like are you sleeping enough because of course you're going to be feeling super stressed if you're knackered all the time yeah like we can tick off all the basics first it's going to really help and like you, you identify there, you know, look at your week and be like, where is where is this happening? Where is stress really building up? Well, stress is really building up on a Wednesday because my day is so busy. I've got to take the kids from A to B. I've got to go to school. I've got to do this run. I've got to do this. I've got all these jobs to do. I work late on that day. And it's like, right, how can we reduce the chances that you feel, you know, can we put some steps in place first? to reduce the chances that you even feel that way before having to identify like, oh my God, we need loads of different strategies. Like you could literally benefit like, well, actually I just need to get an earlier night on a Tuesday. Amazing. Problem solved. So sometimes we need to strip this right back. And then obviously like we've been discussing so far, sometimes it takes a little bit more of a intricate and um, well thought out strategy. It does. Yeah. Um, Right. Well, I think we've been, talking for quite a while actually Stu that's um flown by it must be nearly an hour actually um, yeah I think we just love talking about all things health fitness mindset <laughs> time always runs away with us doesn't it whenever we're know. it does um so yeah I think uh we'll wrap it up there for today for this month another month uh passes us by two months left to go of 2023 um so I'm sure we'll be back next month with um a corker, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure we will. We haven't decided on a topic yet, but I'm, I'm sure we can come up with one. I imagine it'll be um, potentially, oh no, maybe the one after would be potentially seasonal. As we oh no, we could do seasonal next time because it'll be the end of November. We'll be well in, well into like Christmas swing by then. I'm just waiting for Halloween to be over and I'm like on it. And that's you. I'm not really a massive fan of Christmas. so I, think <laughs> I know, but I am. I love it for the kids. The kids love it. So, I think that makes all the difference. Doesn't that's it? that's my excuse anyway. And I'll People forget. <laughs> You've been using that. Yep, yeah, absolutely. This is, I love Christmas for them. For, it's for them. It's all for them. Really. Seriously. I've been using that excuse for like the last 50 years. But <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much once again for your time, Stu. Um, no, no, thank you. Uh, I'm greatly honoured to be a guest. Thank you. <laughs>